Welcome to the Ohio District UPCI podcast. The following message from Lady Service at Ohio District Camp Meeting is titled, A Blessing God, and was spoken by Brooke Pamer. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at ohiodistrict.com. Hi. Congratulations for getting up and being here at 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. I honor you for your sacrifice to be in the house of the Lord. Isn't it good to be together? It's so good to see friends and to be encouraged in the presence of one another. I'm more honored than I can say for the opportunity to be here with you today. And I give my highest respect to Sister Stark and to the women's uh, committee in the Ohio district. They do everything with excellence. Things are not just put together in a shoddy manner, but a way is prepared for you and I to experience the presence of God. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. And I give honor to my mother-in-law, who is here today, uh, who is going to be corralling my crazy two-year-old in the pew, and uh, to all of the ladies from my church who were kind enough to get in the car and drive two hours to come hear me say things they've probably heard me say before. If you would, one more time, pray with me that God speaks to us today that he tells us what he wants us to hear. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your word and for your way. I pray in the name of Jesus, because I know, God, that you know every trial. You know every situation. You know every hope. You know every question. You know every dream. Lord, I pray, walk these aisles today and do what only you can do. Let your word do what only it can do. God, leave us strengthened and encouraged and equipped today. God, leave us uplifted, confident that you're working for us, that you're working through us. I pray it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more time, just give the Lord a shout of praise. God bless you. You may be seated. The best way that I know to convince you to withhold nothing is by presenting to you a God that withholds nothing from you. Psalm 84 verse 11 reads, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He lights your way and he protects you. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, everybody say no good thing, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God does not withhold good things. He is not a withholding God. It is in his very nature to bless us. 
The Bible begins with God creating and as he brings into existence the first man and first woman, his very first act is to bless them. Just a few chapters later, Noah and his family are debarking from the cruise ship called the Ark. And Genesis chapter 9 verse 1 says, God blessed Noah and his sons. And then read just two verses later, we're told, God says, I have given you, Noah, and your sons all things. God is so eager to bless his people. In Numbers chapter 6, he commands Moses and Aaron to bless Israel at every assembly. And so when the people of God would gather, the priests would pray over them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, when God dispatches an angel to alert Mary that she is to be the mother of Jesus, the very first words out of that angel's mouth are, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. In Luke chapter 24, the last exchange between Jesus and his disciples is recorded. He is giving them instruction. He is filling them in on the importance of what they have witnessed during their time with him. He is commissioning them to reach others. And the very last thing that Jesus Christ, God, robed in flesh, dwelling among us, the very last thing that he does on this earth is to lift up his hands and bless them. The Bible literally says in Luke 24 verse 51, while Jesus blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. He can't help himself. He is a blessing God. He can't contain it. He can't hold it back. He withholds no good thing from his people. While we are certainly cautioned that our adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, is walking about to and fro in the earth, seeking whom he may devour, we are also promised that there is no one like our God who the Bible says rides across the heavens looking for opportunities to help us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, you know, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 9, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, it's not just something that I want. It's not luxury vacations and teenagers who don't talk back and husbands who always say yes. 
we got to narrow the field on what a good thing is. Because if you don't understand this verse, it can make or break your faith. He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. I have a two-year-old. She has a little bit of a candy addiction. And word has apparently spread because right before church started Wednesday night, Brother Stark handed her a bag of M&Ms and a Kit Kat. Now, it didn't even remotely cross her mind that she wasn't going to eat the entire bag of M&Ms and the Kit Kat right there in that moment in the middle of church. Never even dawned on her. But I'm her mama. And so I understand that even though she perceives all the chocolate to be a good thing, I understand that she doesn't have the healthy eating habits and the self-discipline or the concept of the dry cleaning bill to make those decisions in that moment, right? And so sometimes I, I hide things from her temporarily because I hand out the good things in a way that is best for her. I have the big picture. I know where we're going. I know where I'm taking her. I know what my goal is. I love her. And because I love her and because I'm stewarding her and because I'm fighting for her, she can trust me to hand her the good things when she needs them. Amen? He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. It's, it's the peace in the midst of the storm. It's the joy in the center of my circumstance. It's the perfecting of my faith. It's the resolution that reveals his glory. It's the praise that replaces my spirit of heaviness. It's the freedom instead of bondage. Can I just tell you this morning, he is not a withholding God. He gives good things. He blesses. He looks for opportunities to move and work on our behalf. While it is true that the Bible tells the story of a God who desires, even delights, to bless his people, even knowing this, I'm not 100% certain that we have wrapped our hearts around the degree to which God is willing to bless us. I love the disciples. They were flawed, authentic people. They had tempers. And they got jealous of one another. And they had a front row seat to the ministry of Jesus, but they didn't always have it entirely figured out. If you jump into the narrative in Matthew chapter 14 of Jesus and his disciples, they are gathered with a large, hungry crowd. And it's important to realize that what's happening here is not just about feeding people. A massive crowd has gathered. We for sure know that there were 5,000 men and most assuredly as many, if not more, women or children. Day has turned into evening and they are removed from any village. And so the disciples suggest that Jesus send them off into the villages to purchase their dinner. 
But this is a teaching moment. Jesus has a truth that he wants to impart. A truth so significant that this is the only miracle that Jesus does that is recorded in all four Gospels. We get four perspectives on one encounter, all aligning perfectly, no contradictions. Jesus replies to them that they don't need to send the crowd away. The disciples are perfectly capable of providing them something to eat and so they take this suggestion seriously and they start canvassing the crowd to figure out what the options are. And they come up, you know the story, with five loaves and two fishes. It's not really even enough to feed themselves, let alone take care of a crowd of thousands. The Bible says in verse 17, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish now this is the moment that we have to look in the mirror and find our reflection in their answer to jesus because they have been presented with a huge problem thousands of hungry people need to be fed and they're standing just a few feet away from jesus but they're looking at what they have in their hand, and they're saying, we have only. The supply in hand was inadequate to meet the demand. And we fall into this trap often of only looking at what we have in hand. We are experts at declaring the situation as we see it. We are professionals at being able to flesh out the details on what we do not have, on what is exactly lacking in the situation that is in front of us. We have PhDs in elucidating the negative and what is missing and what we need that we do not have. We fall into this trap and we're more than happy to let God save our souls because we're 100% sure we can't do that on our own. But we make the mistake of looking at our lives and saying, you know what? I can do this with what I have in my hand. We look at our marriages and we say, I don't have everything I need, but I can do this with just what I have in my hand. We parent our children and we say, I can do this with what I've got in my hand. We battle depression and anxiety and offense and bitterness and sickness. And we struggle through financial difficulty and we say, We'll just do it with what we've got in our hand until what we have in our hand is not enough. And we find ourselves standing in front of a crowd of 10,000 hangry people with five loaves and two fishes to work with. And all the while, Jesus is just a few feet away. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
He is a blessing God. He withholds no good thing. Jesus tells his disciples to bring what they have in their hand to him. Now, don't miss the details that follow because he instructs the crowd to sit down. And we know from the Gospel of Mark that they were divided into groups of 50 and 100 because Jesus wanted the magnitude of this blessing to be able to be counted. He wanted the disciples to be able to track exactly what he had done. He wanted to be able, them to be able to step back and say, we had five loaves and two fishes, and we have fed a crowd of thousands. And so Jesus takes those loaves and those fishes, and the Bible says he blesses them because he's a blessing God. And so he blesses them, and he takes that loaf, and he breaks it, and he gives it to the disciples. So the first blessing of multiplication takes place, and there is enough bread for the disciples. And then think about it. There's no way that 12 men fed 10,000 people. That's not possible. And so the 12 disciples would have had to have gone to each group of 50 and 100. And that bread would have had to have been broken and passed down the line. And I don't know, I just get excited when I think about the fact that one blessing from Jesus really did thousands upon thousands of miracles. And that as that bread got broke and it went down the line, it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It was just one blessing, but that's how much of a blessing God he is. It's just one, and it does thousands upon thousands of miracles, and everybody gets to participate in the miraculous that day because that's just who God is. The Bible says they ate all and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. They didn't just get enough to eat to stave off their hunger. They ate until they were satisfied. And Jesus said, I want to make sure that you 12 people who don't have this all figured out really leave understanding it. So I'm going to give you each a basket of leftovers because that's just the way God works. He doesn't just meet your need. He gives you the overflow. And so God can be trusted even when we look at our hand and it doesn't look like we have enough. Even when we look at our lives and it looks like we're missing the ingredients that we need for the miraculous. Can I tell you today, we can put our marriage, we can put our children, we can put our trouble, we can put our finances, we can put our faith, we can put our questions in the hand of God. I love Psalm 81, verse 10. It says, I am the Lord your God. <laughs> Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. <laughs> it's tempting to believe that God must be coerced or convinced to bless us. 
doubt and distrust deceive us into denying ourselves the generosity of a God who is on record as wanting to bless us. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus walks up on a multitude and a father approaches him and begins telling him about his son who is afflicted with a spirit that needs to be cast out. This desperate father begins to tell of how this spirit causes his son to foam at the mouth and to writhe. And it has caused him to jump into the fire and into the water trying to take his own life. This is a desperate parent. And he says to Jesus in verse 22, if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. This father who has been through this unimaginable journey with his son has looked at what he has in his hand and he has found it lacking. This situation with his child is beyond his fixing. But he has yet to step into the understanding that God withholds no good thing that he desires to bless us. If you can do anything, he says. From our perspective, it sounds a little comical, knowing Jesus as we do, but this man says, if, if you can do anything. And I had to ask myself, how many times have I caught myself praying for something that I felt like would stretch God to the limit in my life. That ever happened to you? How many times have I asked for God to do something that I perceived to be huge, that I perceived to be seemingly impossible, and caught myself praying, Lord, I want you to do this if it's your will. That's, that's my personal caveat of if you can do anything. Because it is in our nature to pray the big prayers, but to not always be 100% convinced. We know he is able. We're just not always sure he is willing. We're aware that he can, but we're not always convinced in our own hearts and minds that he will. Amen? And so Jesus ignores the if of this man that suggests that his own capabilities are limited. And he turns the table on this father and he says to them in verse 23, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Because the if is with us. Everybody say, the if is with me. The question is not, is he a blessing God? It's, are we a believing people? The question is not, is he a blessing God? He withholds no good thing. The question is, am I a believing people? Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He is literally searching the earth for opportunities to bless us. We need to drop the if from our vocabulary. If he can, no, he can't. There is no if. 
if he can, if you will, if it be your will. No, there is no if. He can. Everybody say, he can. He can. <laughs> when we believe that God's favor is in our lives, we start to act differently. We start to square our shoulders and to walk in confidence. We start to trust that our backslidden spouse is coming home. We start to believe that the sickness is going to be gone. We start to trust and walk in faith that our finances are going to be blessed. We start to believe that God can set us free and make us overcomers. Something happens deep down in our soul when we delete the if and we start believing he's a blessing God. He's a way making God. He's an answer providing God. Peer into the life of Abraham with me. This man who God has blessed. God has promised to be Abraham's shield and exceeding great reward. He has promised not only to bless Abraham, but to bless those that bless Abraham. In Genesis chapter 13, we find that trouble is brewing between the family and the herdmen of Abraham and Lot, Abraham's nephew. And so Abraham comes to Lot and he says, Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Abraham says, listen, you get the prime pick, the first choice. And wouldn't you know it, Lot takes a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley, the area that is well watered everywhere, that looks like the garden of the Lord, and he chooses the whole Jordan Valley. Lot was going to get while the getting was good. Everybody's met somebody like that. But Abraham didn't get rattled. He didn't get worried. He didn't get upset. Because he understood that he was functioning under the blessing of the Lord. The word had already gone out on Abraham's life. He was blessed. He was blessed going in and blessed coming out. And so he didn't need to be frustrated. He didn't need to be upset because he was walking in blessing. And so when Lot picked the lush, well-watered valley, Abraham didn't worry about where he was going to go get his water. And when Lot picked the picturesque, beautiful land, Abraham didn't start asking himself what the view was going to look loud outside the window of his tent because he believed that he was walking in blessing. And sure enough, Lot doesn't get good and gone, and God shows up and says, okay, Abe, come on. Come on. Let's take a walk. And he says, Abraham, lift up your eyes and look to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. Abraham, everything that your eye touches is yours. Everything that you see, I'm going to give it to you. You are walking in blessing. God says, get up, 
Abraham and go take a walk on your land, the length of it and the breadth of it, because it is yours for the taking. Can I tell you today that some of us need to let the spirit of Abraham get on us, that there are some things in our lives that are ours for the taking, that God has already given them to us. God has already spoken the promise. God, who withholds no good thing, has already guaranteed them in our lives, but the if is still with us, and we need to delete that if and start walking in the authority that we know we are a blessed people. The hand of blessing is upon us. There are some things that we need to take back, that we need to start walking the length and the breadth of and say, devil, you can't have it. World, you can't have it. I take authority in the name of Jesus because I'm walking under the blessing of God. Oh, come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. you stand up on your feet with me this morning? I've gone 25 minutes. I'm going to bring you home. I'm not long-winded. If God can't do it in 25 minutes, he's not going to do it. Let me tell you why I know this is true. Fifteen years ago, and forgive me for the ladies who attend my church who have to hear me talk about this all the time. But, you know, it's my testimony. So 15 years ago, I had a healthy baby girl. It was the most boring pregnancy. I didn't even know that I needed to thank God for it. She came out healthy. Everything was awesome. It was wonderful. Six years later, we were expecting our second child, and we found out that she had severe medical complications. She lived four and a half years. I was thinking this morning as I was getting dressed that just several years ago, the year before she passed away, 2016, we were at camp meeting. We were helping do some things, and we had not brought her with us. And we drove home on Friday to get her. And we brought her back to camp meeting on Friday night because there was a miracle service. And I just wanted her to be in the presence of God and to experience the miraculous. I had her right here at this altar where I believe God moved on her. But her healing was supposed to happen on the other side. And so I give glory to God. She's healed today and completely okay. She's in heaven waiting on me. But that's not the end of the story. Because 15 years in, 13 years, 13 years in, 2019, we found out we were expecting our third child. That was a miracle in and of itself. But the doctors told us that I had a blood disorder that was attacking my daughter. And they told me that all of her organs were on the outside of her body. And I can't tell you how devastating it was to be there in that moment for the second time and not know how I was going to make it through. <laughs> but God is a blessing God who withholds no good thing. 
And so do you know what happened? In the middle of, of that story, my husband, who's a problem solver, does anybody else have a husband who's a problem solver? Gotta love him gets on the phone with some specialist from Boston and he's telling him about our situation and about all this stuff that's going on and about these problems that the doctors say that we're facing. And the doctor stops him and he says, Mr. Pamer, I don't know how to explain this to you other than just to say, you should have never had a healthy kid at all. There should have never been a healthy child in your family. And I'll be honest with you, it didn't hit me in that moment. But as I began to ruminate on that over the next several weeks, I began to understand what God had done. That God had gone ahead of me 13 years and done a miracle in my family and in my home that I didn't even know to ask for. I just had given him my life. I just had said, take it, Lord. And because of that, I was able to walk in blessing. And so God kept a miracle on the back burner for 13 years until the moment that I needed it. And when I needed it, he pulled it out and said, here, let me tell you what I've already done for you. And can I tell you, there's a two-year-old sitting in that pew over there and all of her organs are in the right place. And she's fully functioning and fully capable because God is a blessing God that withholds no good thing from his people. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the Ohio District Podcast.